Hey, Brad. Yes. Do you know how we fund the program going off track? I know exactly how we fund it. There's one source of income for us, and that is patreon.com slash going off track, where our loving patrons give us money and we give them bonuses. Patreon, stop making up words. (laughs) It's a great place. We do a weekly Thursday night fireside chat. Brad takes all the embarrassing things I say in podcasts that he doesn't put into podcasts and puts it on the Patreon. Funny pictures of Brad in the 90s, usually naked or wearing a wristband. Please sign up. Brad, what's the address? Patreon.com slash going off track. Good morning and welcome to Going Off Track. Hello, Brad. <laughs> and how are we today? I don't know why I said good morning. It's it's eight sixteen p.m. Yeah, I think there's a solid chance that the listenership may be tuning in in the morning. Oh, okay. Good morning. So I think that was a good like uh, good newsman move. Welcome. The arsonist had oddly shaped feet. <laughs> um, can I tell you something funny that happened? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so. I, uh, I'm on my way to practice the other day, going to Mercy Union practice, starting Woo-hoo! that up again. Got a new, got a new record. Coming, Love it. So it's going to be fun. Get to play drums. Yes. And I go to a, a Dunkin' Donuts, you know, one of my favorite places. I go in for, you know, what am I getting these days? A large, they got oat milk there now. Yeah. You know, like just a large coffee with oat milk and I'm in there. And I see a man across the Dunkin' Donuts kind of looking at me. And he's a uh, an Indian man. Probably, I'd say, 60s. Uh, very well-kempt, like, mustache. Very nice hair, obviously. He's got, like, nice blazer, jacket, you know. He's a professional guy. Right. And... He, you know, he looks and he gets his coffee and he taps me on the shoulder and he goes, hey, good drumming, man. <laughs> and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, whoa, you know, and my brain is swimming here. I'm like, I'm like, get the, how, like, how? Okay, that's cool. I'm like, who knows? Maybe he's got a, a kit. Maybe he's just a fan. Like, like yeah. you know, this is great. How interesting. And, you know, my brain is like, racing and I'm, I'm literally I'm smiling ear to ear I'm like this is the coolest thing I go back to my car and I open the door he's parked right next to me and my stick bag <laughs> is just sitting in my passenger seat <laughs> so now I will forever have this like question of whether this man actually knew me as a drummer and was like oh wow cool I saw Benny at a Dunkin Donuts or he just saw my stick bag in the passenger seat and was just being cool and was like, hey, you know, good drumming, man. Yeah, but most people wouldn't know what a stick bag was. Mm. I mean, were uh, your sticks yeah. sticking out of your stick bag? What is this, amateur hour? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, What's I don't, the point of a stick bag? I think this Yeah, guy, that's true. That. Well, I mean, it does say like Zildjian on it or something. Yeah, but you know? still, unless he's a drummer himself. In yeah, which he case, could be a drummer. It's almost right? as good as being a fan, I think, maybe. Or maybe he like did a short stint at a guitar center or something, you know, <laughs> like a few months ago. Like, just I'd like, like to like think a random job in the warehouse. I'd like to think he's a fan. Know. 
The best I'd would like be to if, think so. if, if he was like a fan, like a Mercy Union fan, or, or uh, oh my god, even better, or yeah, Vespucci. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if Mercy Union came out of this pandemic, and for some reason we had just hit a chord with like the early senior citizen Indian man crowd. <laughs> like, cool, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to me. It could be big in big in India. <laughs> I'd love to go play. Oh, Indian weddings are great. Have you ever been? Of course not. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if I could get a gig doing those weddings, it sounds great. I mean, it looks like a blast. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I would definitely I, yeah. go to one, whether I could play or not. Right. Well, Brad, you know, different opportunities get laid before <laughs> your feet all the time. And if this one gets laid before me, I think I'm jumping on. I'm going to quit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quitting the podcast. And I'm just doing that. I'm playing, I'm playing Indian weddings. Wow. I'll be your roadie. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just saw our friend Zoe, Kississippi, who we had this beautiful interview with, immediately took to Twitter after saying that she's going to get in trouble from her mom oh. for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> So Mom. I think we did our job, you know, <laughs> we got the real, the real meat deal. and potatoes out of here, the spice stories, you know? Yeah. That shit's funny. But that was a fun interview. And got to tell you, this mood ring, this uh, album Zoe made is really good. It's so catchy. I've been like bopping around my house for a couple of days listening to this Big Dipper songs. Just got this great hook. And uh, I'm really into it. I think I always appreciate, you know, artists who are just willing to take another direction, you know? And the fact that this album sounds so different from her last album in presentation, you know, not exactly like content, but presentation is so much different. And I don't know. I appreciate people with with the moxie to... Be like, I want to make this, and this is what I'm making, and I don't care if Pitchfork gives me a zero. You know? <laughs> this is going to get a, the good Pitchfork. Review. Oh, she's going to get a good mark. Yeah, this yeah. is getting good marks for sure. I think uh, everybody should uh, should check out this record, and please let's uh, let's get into this interview, huh? Let's go. It's great, Benny. Would wow. you like to sing? Would you like to sing her in? Welcome <laughs> to the fucking program. <laughs> Welcome, wow. kick up your feet and relax. I can't resist the little toys that they <laughs> they supply. That's like for an actual like podcast. Like that's what you're supposed to use with your if you want. I guess it's built into well. the, into this I think we just started something new. I kind of like this like broody piano music to come into a podcast. Are you going to sing every time? Yeah, <laughs> sure. All right. Let's practice. You, you, if you lay it out, you lay out softballs for me like that. <laughs> I'm going to sing. But now I'm actually already like I'm preemptively embarrassed about the voice I use cuz I think I use like my high whiny voice that I that I can use sometimes and I wish I went a little deeper, you know? Right, so well, I'll learn for next podcast to I, give it a little Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah, right I don't know if you bat. know this, but musicians usually they usually 
rehearse those kinds of things. I realized that that was spontaneous. I I dropped I bet the Zoe piano. doesn't have to. She's a real singer, you know. <laughs> I just thank you, thank you. If you heard that piano, <laughs> me, what what would you have went with, like style wise, to get us in here? You don't um, have you know, to sing. I actually, but... I actually only uh, got the, you know. The last part of the piano music. My volume wasn't working yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So you don't have to sing, but what do you think? It's like, such a mood. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I'm feeling forever. like... Yeah, totally. I feel like it totally has like a early 2000s, like teen drama. Oh, like, yes. You're right. Vibes, you know? That would be it. Mm. <laughs> So what's Coming the, in with the dark teen dramas. What's the first thing we can talk about as far as dark teens go? <laughs> so what's going oh, on? are we starting right now? This oh, begins. Listen, we we're are in. This? in. We are in. Oh, cool. Benny and I started oh, hey. with. We started Let's without go. you. I don't know if you, you noticed. <laughs> yeah. I think I just figured that out. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't know. Where do you guys want to start with? Well, that? it quickly went from two old hags being me and Brad. <laughs> Talking about our bum, our bum rotator cuffs, yeah. <laughs> and saying, <laughs> saying that I'm sometimes intimidated talking to young women because I'm like, you know, oh, I woke up with a bad rotator cuff this morning, and I'm like, I bet uh, you, I'm like, I bet you didn't, you know. You know, I actually like for a moment thought that I um, threw my back out moving some stuff about oh, no. an hour ago <laughs> and I'm 26. So, Ooh. you know, I might I might understand a little bit. Got to go in with your <laughs> knees. Got to go with yeah. the knees. Yeah. So what's going on? You're uh, you're moving. Oh, yeah. I'm moving these next few weeks. Oh, out of Philly. Uh, yep, from, yep. from where to where? Oh, I'm staying in Philly. I'm just moving okay. from um, South Philly to West Philly. So nice, Quick South Philly. South Philly is just getting a little too, uh, a little too hipster these days. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like people would say that about West Philly, actually. But um, oh. no, yeah, my landlord's just selling our house. One so, of those deals. Yeah, one of those deals. Obviously, one of the big jumps for you has been, you know, like the. Um, obviously sonically going into this new record. So I was going to ask at some point, like how you plan to, to deliver these songs live. And it sounds like there is going to be a different vibe. So what's your, what's your uh, plan going into it? You know, um, we're going to use backing tracks for the first time. And I am very worried about that because Mm. it's, it's all new territory for me, but um, yeah, we're going to use backing tracks and in-ear monitors and things and, just throw a little more keys on stage. I mean, we've always kind of like functioned as an emo band. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to kind of branch out in that way. So you're going to do backing tracks along with the full band still. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to have like a five piece band. We usually go between like a four and five piece band and, um, yeah. Just add some backing tracks in this time. There's a lot going on on this new record. Yeah. It would almost be like impossible to recreate live, but right, right. I just like love all of the layers that we are working with. So I'm like, I want them all to be there as much as possible, at least. That's awesome. And what's the crew you're going to have playing live? Because I know you've you've had some switches through the years, and I even saw you posted something the other day about is it like 
not trusting anyone or I saw it in a <laughs> in an interview you're like finding new bandmates when you don't trust anyone so oh yeah yeah so like <laughs> so what's what's going on there like uh you know who who do you trust you know okay so <laughs> that might have been a little bit of a salty tweet I actually am maybe too trustworthy I see. and that's probably where my trust issues are coming with with this whole searching for a new bandmate situation but um mm. yeah i mean um we had someone who was going to play bass for us for our upcoming stuff and he just got like busy with you know like real people job stuff not that not that playing music <laughs> isn't a real job but you know I definitely know, I certainly a, know a better mean. job than yeah better job than playing in a baby band so no Sell out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, he got a pretty good music job, actually. So I'm happy for him. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it just like didn't pan out. So looking for someone else to play bass for us right now. (laughs) And is it, you know, any of the same same people you've used in the past or like a totally new crew? Yeah, it's actually right now. It's all people that I've used in the past. Um, My drummer and my guitarist. Both played with me on the Mannequin Pussy Tour. Um, They have bands called uh, Beach Bod and Puppy Angst. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah. Yeah. And then um, my keyboard player. Two of the best names I've heard in one (laughs) fail swoop. That's really good. Yeah. They have great band names. They're sweeties. I love playing with them. And (laughs) um, we're bringing back our old keyboard player, Kaylin. um, And she has a band called Wilma Laverne Minor. Cool. Um, yeah, it's kind of like country pop stuff. So mm. yeah, just looking to fill that last little part. And all, uh, is it like Philly people or you, you're going national? Oh, it's all Philly people except for Kaylin, who's actually from Montana. Oh shit. <laughs> which is pretty wild. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've done a bunch of tours with her in the past and I actually like met her on a DIY tour maybe like 2016 or 2017 and we were like playing a house show together and I heard her like sound checking downstairs and I was like, who is this person? Like, I need to play music with her. Cool. And um, yeah, we just had so many good times on tour before. So we decided to link it back up. Is she like a born and bred Montanan, Montanian, Montanian? I don't know. I wonder what the word for that is. Montanian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, she is. She is. What's the She's vibe? She's from Missoula. That's that's like a rarity to meet like a meet and spend <laughs> time with like a true Montanian, which I'm now calling it. I don't <laughs> care if that's right. Yeah. No, you're right. Can she wrestle cattle? That's my Yeah, question. like what's is um, the, is the vibe totally different than like an East Coaster? Oh, 100%. I don't know if she can wrestle cattle, but I would be like really surprised if she couldn't, honestly. <laughs> She's definitely a cowgirl on the low. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds exciting. I, are you like... Yeah. So I saw... I know you live in Philly now, and I couldn't really see anything about like where you were from, but I did notice you mentioned something about your father listening to the radio, and I believe it was the Philly radio station. So are you like a... A true like Philly area native? Yeah, I am. Um, I think the radio station would have been WXPN. That's it. That's it. Which yeah. is still the radio station, right? <laughs> oh, it totally is. Yeah. 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 It's uh-huh. the radio station. Like the one, yeah. Yeah. But um I grew up in Montgomery County, so I grew up in a town called Orland. 
Okay. Um, so like Northwest suburbs of Philly. Gotcha. Yeah. And what was that like? <laughs> it was like <laughs> suburbs of Philly. I don't know. Um, not much to share there. I went to a really tiny high school. Yeah. Um, just a classic little suburban town to be real, but um <laughs> is it known was, for anything like uh you know like I, like last episode i I realized through you know some googling that West Orange, New Jersey is known for hats yeah. like is, oh. is your town known for anything you know. It wouldn't even be fun to get into on a podcast. It's not anything good. Wait, um, well, that sounds like it's worth of, getting into. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, it might be too dark. <laughs> lots of depressing stories from like my hometown. Oh, um, don't get Benny started. Oh, but yeah, no. we, yeah, we no, don't need we to get into it. <laughs> it's oh, too Brad, what dark. Are you too? Brad, I brought you too animal. far. This, but is, you know, this is the point. I want to go dark as early as possible. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? That's guitar why you sounds the whole time? <laughs> I mean, we're definitely not going to talk about guitar sounds the whole time. I won't Give let me, it get that far. Can I have one creepy story about your hometown? <laughs> Okay. The um, lightest one. The one we might be able to sardonically laugh at afterwards. Oh, man. The lightest one? Is there a light one out of the dark ones? Let me think of a good, creepy story that isn't as dark as it can get. Anything haunted? <laughs> oh, yes. Actually, my childhood home was definitely haunted. Ooh. I wouldn't say that my town was known for my childhood home being haunted, but um, it's definitely haunted. So you grew up with ghosts. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, how did you know? Like, was it just like, like your whole family knew or you had some kind of inkling towards it? No, my whole family knew for sure. Whoa. I, I was actually telling a story the other day, like um, there was one year on Christmas where... I like woke up on Christmas morning and I was like, mom, it was so nice that like grandma came over last night and she like read to me before bed. And my mom was like, your grandma was not here last night. And I was like, yes, she was. She sat at the end of my bed and read me a Christmas story. Whoa. (laughs) And we were always suspicious that it was like an old couple that was haunting the house because there was a woman who lived across the street who was best friends with the couple that lived in the house before us. And it was like an older couple that passed away. And what, like, how old were you? How old were you when, when you're getting read Christmas stories? Oh, I must have been like, at that point I was probably like five or six. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was very little, but I do remember it. Like, I do remember that. Um, And I just remember hearing like doors open and close and drawers opening and stuff like while my mom wasn't home. (laughs) Is it, is it like kind of a cranky house? Like it's got some creaks? Um, you know, it wasn't too old of a house, but yeah, it definitely was like hardwood floors type of, you know. (laughs) I did just hear recently, I don't want to like blow the bubble and scare you. But I did just read something recently that apparently there's a very, there's a connection between like very old houses and ghost sightings, but not for the reason you would think. 
which is the fact that many people died there or something. It's the fact that someone basically made the case that they all have carbon monoxide poisoning. And like, <laughs> and the fact... Like the houses? See- yeah, yeah. So like seeing things, you know, seeing things that aren't there uh, and hearing things and uh, being extra paranoid are all like symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning. So they're basically making the case that like no one's ever seen a ghost. We've all been just getting like gassed, you know? Honestly, uh, I believe it. I mean, I believe it believe it as, as much as anything right but you don't ever walk in a house and just like immediately be like you know i'm getting a bad vibe in here something's not right i you did it's automatically it, carbon yeah monoxide. now i think i'm just like immediately high like, you know? <laughs> yeah that's what happens when you walk into my house too no i i know i uh, <laughs> not with I, carbon monoxide yeah. no i do believe it i've basically been like run out of every basement i've ever been in yeah. You know, like I even got, yes. I got into a shouting match with a ghost at my old house in New Brunswick. I was, I always felt something funky. It was like this really creepy old basement, but I had my drums down there and we had band yeah. practice down there. And, you know, during band practice, I didn't really care. You know, I had some back, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd go down sometimes like middle of the day and play drums and, you know, feel kind of freaked out and push through it. And one day I was down there and I was really grooving. I had like my headphones in. I don't remember what I was playing, but I was having fun. And like, I just mm-hmm. thought I saw something and I got that like rush of cold and really, you know, freaked out that I just saw a ghost. And it was the first time I was just kind of like mad at it. And I like <laughs> put down my sticks. I'm like, what? What do you want? You know, like, just talk to me. I'm like, is it too loud? Do you want me to play something else? I'm like, are you an Eagles fan? Like, just tell me what's going on and I'll help you out, you know? And suddenly there was a voice and it said, you're speeding up the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> Not my He's tempo. Just <laughs> <out>. <laughs> but I don't oh know. God. I believe it. Brad, you, you grew up in weird places, did you? You must have seen some ghosts. I've right? never seen a ghost. I've never had any sort of experience <gasps> like that. But I did wow. when I was a teenager meet a girl, spend the summer with her. Um, she was older. She's like um my dad had this like field school, but it was essentially like camp. But she was a college student, mm-hmm. but she had this had these ghost stories of growing up with a ghost and it, the way she presented it was so incredibly mad. like she, it was so obvious that she just took it for granted that she had grown up with this ghost from an early age, seen it several times. And it was just her whole, her whole entire like way of presenting it made me realize that there's definitely something going on. Like it was, she wasn't trying to freak me out. You know, she was just like, yeah, this was the deal. Like since I was Mm. a little girl, there was this person that lived in our house and we saw her every so often. And, it was pretty. And then yeah. you saw her huff carbon monoxide <laughs> from a balloon. <laughs> like, yeah. I saw her huffing glue out in the parking lot. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nitrous, uh, nitrous tank in the house. But I've definitely oh. heard a few, you know, stories from people that I trust enough at this point to know that, yeah, there's, there's shit going on, man. Who knows whether, what it is, you know? Can I admit something to both oh, of totally. you? You're high. <laughs> No, not high. Not high. I don't like to be high for podcasts. Um, But years ago, I'll spare the details, 
but I'm almost certain I had a sexual encounter with a ghost. <laughs> oh, we have to hear this. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a little hard to explain. Oh. You know, because it was very in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but I'll, I'll, I don't know. I don't even know how to get into it. But the short of it. Yeah. That's that's not an insult to myself. The short of it is that um, I was staying at a friend's house who I this was when like Gaslight had just gone full time. Mm-hmm. And that first couple years, I wasn't keeping a place at home. So I was just like. I had a storage space and I was just like flopping wherever I could in New Jersey. And a friend of mine had just bought a house with his new wife and they had like this little side to the house, like a, you know, it had its own door and a stairway going up to kind of like a creepy room. And I was allowed to stay there and they told me it was haunted and it was definitely haunted. I mean, it felt super fucked up. So either again, to reiterate, I was either super high on gasoline and carbon monoxide or this actually <laughs> happened. And one night, to the point, I felt someone grab my leg on the way up the stairs one night in that place. And I was up in the room. I was kind of feeling vibey. Yeah, there it is. And I felt something like a <laughs> kind of like a Ghostbusters Sigourney Weaver thing going on, you know, just like... <laughs> But what and then, but it was the you one time slimed? I was like, I was like, wait, I'm like, I'm not nervous. I'm like, I think whatever's around here, like, wants to be around. And then I was like, ooh. And then I don't know, it was just that kind of night. I was like, yo, just go with it. And <laughs> and, went, and I'm pretty sure I'm either like totally hallucinating in the dark by myself, or something happened. A little hanky panky with a ghost. Oh my goodness, what is that? Have you ever seen that documentary, Love and Saucers? No. That's no. You might want to watch it after the story you just told me. It's just a documentary about this painter. I cannot remember his name, but he has he basically is telling these stories of all of his paintings, which are based around his encounters with an alien woman mm. who he like had sexual encounters with Whoa. and like lost his virginity to. Man. That sounds interesting. <laughs> I, I could see it. You know, like you yeah. look at some of these old, like, uh, you know, biblical paintings and the, you know, the stuff that some of these old artists in Europe did. I'm like, you were either like so fucking drunk on absinthe, whatever kind <laughs> of weird drugs you people were doing at the time, or like this really wacky stuff was going on, you know? But like, yeah, it does seem consistent over the years that. Either either we are consistently being visited, right, by the paranormal or the spiritual, or people have been just getting super fucked up for, like, <laughs> thousands of years on different things that make them see other things, you know? I mean, I want to know what they're taking because <laughs> I've been taking some shit over the years. <laughs> and you haven't had sex with a ghost yet? I, yeah, I haven't gotten to have ghost sex yet. It's been a lonely Listen, quarantine. Like, Yeah, yeah but you got, <laughs> this is the wrong drugs. Listen, Big Pharma is never going to give us anything that's going to take us to the other side. You know? They don't want us on the other side. Yeah. So I think, I think if you want to go to that side, it's got to be drugs not given to you by like 
Pfizer or something. Have you tried like ayahuasca or like any of those kinds of drugs? Like, I actually have not. Are you in, or would you be in, open to something like that? You know, I might be. I definitely like shrooms. I like acid. Nice. Is it appropriate to talk about this on the podcast? Oh, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. I like both of these things. Um, mom, if you're listening. Sorry, you mom. Know this. <laughs> she, listen, she, she was probably knows. born after Timothy Leary. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so have, how do you find those experiences like in connection with um, with music? Like, are you able to do things with uh, writing or, or creativity when, when you're on that stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love especially like the end of a trip. I'll just like take out my little iPad garage band. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. And just like beeps and boops. I really like, um, I don't know, making like fun, like video game kind of sounding synth parts. And mm. that's always fun to do on acid. Um, <laughs> but I would say like if if it helps me with anything, it's more just like um, a spiritual thing right. than an actual like creative thing, you know? Yeah. Does it like knock down any walls for you where you can like see anything about yourself like clear or other people or how you want to write about it? Does any like anything get knocked down as a result? Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like it like helps me see my whole entire, I don't know, all of my emotions more clearly. Um, and I always like doing it like with my best friend. So we tend to like, you know, reach conversations that we wouldn't normally be able to have. Um, and you know, that's, you could probably tell from my lyrics that that's a lot of what I like to talk about, (laughs) you know, like personal, personal stuff. Sure. Um, So yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. I mean, I know you're, you you know, you're consistently writing about your own stories um, Mm -hmm. almost to the point where like, you know, I think I read for that, the get in tune song you actually saw, or I'm sorry, the where so in tune song you actually saw like an ad that, that sparked the idea for that. And it's, it's kind of like often uh, anecdotal, like something in life just, just sparks a song. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, most of it really does come from like my conversations with people or just like, you know, everyday things like that. Um, I would say I've actually kind of had a hard time. Sorry, my dog is like jumping on me right now. (laughs) (laughs) I've had kind of a hard time over quarantine because I think so much of what I write about is just like based off of, Mm. you know, like interacting with other people or like just interacting with the world in general. Um, But yeah, we're so in tune was I just saw um, a sign outside of I think it was just like a mechanic shop and it just said get in tune on it. And I was like, mm. I had I was like a little drunk and I started thinking about um, the Bruce Springsteen. I'm on fire video. And I was <laughs> right. like, oh, I'm inspired right now. Uh. <laughs> so it's weirdly actually inspired by that video. I wouldn't necessarily say. 100% the song, but right. the video inspired it a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you think I'm talking like, to some Jersey boys in here, aren't I? <laughs> oh, not Brad. <laughs> yeah. But Benny, Brad, like, from- Benny more than makes up for my <laughs> non-Jersey boy-ness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like so New Jersey that even Bruce Springsteen's like too cool for me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like That makes like, sense, yeah. I need some deeper cuts. It's like 
It's like okay, when you live valid. in New York City, you know, you don't visit the Empire State Building. <laughs> yeah, It's like that kind of thing. <laughs> like, like, it was just always there, but I didn't really care that much until, you know, I wound up in a band that was compared to it every day. And then I started to care about it a lot <laughs> yeah. by default. Um, of course. I mean, I guess people like naturally make that comparison with y'all like being from a similar area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a long story, but it's like, <laughs> but it was literally from the get go. I mean, I think if you just have like a gravelly voice and you're from New Jersey, you're just in yeah. the pocket, you know, like you can't help it. Um, yeah, for real. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering, like, you know, you had a couple stories about, you know, being in a car with friends and seeing something and that sparked the story. You know, you've been writing songs for a while now. And do you do you find yourself where, you know, it used to just kind of, you know, fall in your lap, something like that. Now do you find yourself kind of like looking for it where, you know, you're out and you're in a unique situation. You're like, oh, I got to find like a song here. Honestly, yeah. Um I feel like it was so much more natural, like maybe a couple years ago, but at the same time, like as much as I feel like I had, um, you know, an easier songwriting process and like had an easier time coming up with lyrics, I do feel like my um, lyrics have improved because I'm like taking the time with them more now, if that makes mm, sense. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I would say that pretty much every song that I write starts with a moment like that. Hmm. So you think at some point, especially post pandemic, like you might have to really go out there and like create those moments. Oh yeah. I'm trying to create a lot of moments. (laughs) How so? (laughs) Many moments. I don't know. We'll see. We're going to find out, I guess. I mean, shows are coming quick, I guess. That's true. So what's the first one back for you? Is it going to be the, the riot fest? Actually, no, but I'm so excited for that. Um, we're playing a show in Millersville with Mannequin Pussy oh, cool. on July 31st. Um, and yeah, that's going to be our first show back. And then we have some tour dates that we'll be announcing very soon. Awesome. Perhaps next week. And how, you're, you're pretty stoked about the Riot Fest? Yeah, I'm super stoked about it. I mean, we haven't gotten to play a lot of um, bigger festivals like that, so... It's exciting to kind of like be able to get into that whole circuit. Sure. Well, as someone who's played a few, try to keep your expectations low for the show itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, outdoor shows are very hit or miss, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. There's like there's like 180 different variables that are just like impossible to overcome, you know, like of course. Like, like sometimes you just wind up playing when it's just like disgustingly hot out and nobody yeah, wants to be outside at all. So it doesn't even matter how good you play, you know, yeah. or, or just time slots or who you're playing against or a, a rogue sound person who just has no <laughs> idea, rogue monitor person, a rogue <clears throat> anyone. Yeah. I mean, it's those, uh, but, but often I found that like the actual, you know, the things that you would worry about in a club, like people don't even barely notice, you know, <laughs> in like a festival. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're busy yeah. with something else. Yeah. You're getting drunk yeah, for and sure. I just want to have fun, really. That's why, like, yeah, Gogol Bordello is like the greatest festival <laughs> band ever, you know? Aren't they? 
playing this year? <laughs> it makes sense. Honestly, I think they are. Oh, I remember seeing them at the Electric Factory with Man Man when I was in high school. Yeah. That was a gig. It's an intense show. Yeah. But you give those was- people, you give a like, like a, you know, a, a field full of white people that gypsy punk beat. And it's like, it's like catnip. <laughs> It's catnip. They just can't help but start jumping in the air and going crazy, you know? The Hoopers. Yeah. I once saw (laughs) one of the smartest things I ever saw at a festival was I played a festival in Belgium with... We didn't play with him. He was like on the festival and Snoop Dogg played. And Beautiful. Because Snoop Dogg's a pimp, he had booked two festivals in one day. So he was collecting double pay for that day. And he played this one in Belgium. Yeah. Somehow he managed to get on the bill at like one o'clock in the afternoon in order to do both festivals. And I'm assuming he got full money for both. Um, and, you know, so it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. It's in like Belgium. You know, the crowd's looking a little, just a little white and undrunk and <laughs> not, not really there yet. And I'm watching side stage and, you know, his whole show is insane. There's just like, a random like stone 65 year old man dancing up there. Another guy with like a giant inflatable, like, like penis and balls just running around one guy, just rolling blunts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was like his job. It was just to like roll blunts and hand them around. And I see Snoop like turn around to his DJ and like say something and like nod his head. And I'm like, Oh, what's about to happen. And five seconds later, the DJ starts playing jump around by house of pain. And all of a sudden, this Belgian field, like I said, it's like it's like catnip. They couldn't help it. They're just like, ah! You know, they start losing their shit, jumping up and down. And, you know, Snoop just goes into the rest of the set. I'm like, oh, my God. He's a genius puppet master. He knew. He yeah. knew just what they needed, you know? My, he knew the solution. He did. It was like some weird, mysterious variable that Snoop figured out, you know? I much respect. That. Also, yeah, so much respect for that. <laughs> I know. It's so cool. Well, maybe you so, should keep that in your roster just in case you need to pull it out. <laughs> what? Jump around? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fuck, the shows I play, it'll probably work too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We were talking about uh, using the Jeopardy theme song as our walkout song. Oh, for that's cool. Tour. I've never yeah. heard anything even close to that. That's pretty rad. I mean, white people love that shit, too. They do. And I bet there's like a nice, the Jeopardy theme song probably, it probably brings a lot of people to like a place. Yeah. Oh, it totally does. Yeah. I mean, we thought of this the other day, actually, because um, we went to like an outdoor bar the other day and everyone was watching Jeopardy at the bar and we were like bonding with the table next to us about Jeopardy. Yeah. So I bet Um, you play that and like. I think this is a really good idea, actually, because yeah. someone's going to like all of a sudden be like, oh, I remember watching like Jeopardy with my parents when I was seven. And then all of a sudden yeah. they're in this just like great mood to watch your show. For sure. It warms your little heart. Oh, man, you're on your way to being this is Snoop Dogg level fan psychology. <laughs> this is good. 
I mean, if I could have someone like rolling me blunts on stage and passing blunts around, that would actually be ideal for me too. So listen, you just got front of house. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Blunt, I'm pretty sure blunt, te- blunt technician is the next one to hire. <laughs> yes. 100%. Listen, I want to do a quick segment on the show here. We call mystery friend. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I went and fished up a story from one of your friends <laughs> And I'd like you to tell me a little bit about this. And then you need to guess which one of your friends told me. Oh, my God. So I heard from someone that you used to think of a a great band name and hoard Bandcamp URLs. (laughs) Like, come up with a great band name and file all the URLs. And I was wondering if this is true. And uh, if you can remember any great band names that you had out there or URLs that you stole, or if you got any on deck. (laughs) So what's this this all about? What's this all about? Oh my God. I wonder who told you that. I definitely, I mean, it was not a secret. I was doing it for a long time. (laughs) Um, I do know that you had Julia from Rat Boys on here though. And I do recall doing that on the tour we did with Rat Boys, but who knows who was. Um, Let's see. Um, cool knife. That was one uh, of them. I was pretty one. set on using that. Uh-huh. Um, gnarly Ray Jepsen. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, Kink Shamer. Nice. Wow. Um, These are Nacho Baby is one of them. <laughs> I definitely saved some like actual band names though, like some like bigger band names. You know, I can't actually really remember most of them now, though. It's been years since I've done it because I was like, you know what? I've totally like tried to make a band camp before and someone has taken the URL. And as mm. much as it was funny for for the time, I don't want to hoard too many of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because people might out, need them out there. Yeah. Someone out there in Nebraska was like, oh my God, finally, we thought of the perfect band name. And then it's they funny like, because. The person who named my band was from Nebraska. Ah, strange. <laughs> <laughs> so you stopped doing that. How many do you think you have in total? Oh, God. Um, I would guess probably like 40. What? <laughs> I was doing it pretty... I was doing it for a long time, actually. It was, it was a couple years long process, but... um. I've given up now. <laughs> You're retired. I'm retired. It's like when Big Pharma like comes up with, you know, how they have like a thousand weird, you know, Albutron or whatever. Like they have all of these things patented and ready to go. Yeah. So this could be like a money making thing for you at some point, right? I mean, coming up with bands is hard. Totally. But here's the thing. Um, my band name has been taken on like every social media website that I've tried to sign up for. Okay. So once I started realizing that it was happening to me, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, maybe, (laughs) maybe I got to chill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I felt a little bad. I felt a little bad about it. (laughs) That's really funny. So, so this is commonly known. So it'd be a little tough to guess who told me. Oh yeah, let's see. Um I'll give you one I'll give you a hint. Yeah, give me a hint. 
which is in my mind, what I did is cheating. I feel a little dirty. Like I cheated mystery friend. Ooh, I'm intrigued. (laughs) Why can't I think of who you're talking about? I'm going to lay it out. I smoked too much weed. I went to your publicist. Oh, of course. I asked Jamie. Jamie. It was Jamie. Jamie gave Jamie you up. Jamie put me on blast. Jamie Coletta. She she gave you up. I had hit up a couple other people who are like, yeah, she's super cool and super nice, but I don't really have any weird stories. And I'm like, oh, okay. Aw. <laughs> no one had any weird stories about me? You didn't Listen, hit up the right people. I don't think I hit up the right people. Because <laughs> even you're like you Julia from Rap Boys. I'm like, oh, I could ask her. Like, there's all yeah. these people. I was reaching. I was reaching. We don't Aww. we don't really spin in the same circles, Zoe. So No, we don't, but maybe we should. Oh, uh, can I get can I tell you guys something? Yeah. Currently, about like three feet away from me is a mom and a dad goose and three goslings. Oh. Walking right by me right now. And they Sweet. look so fuzzy. And they have these cute little butts that just like waddle around. Are they walking past your window? No, Benny is a gnome and he lives in the woods. He doesn't have an actual home. I moved to the forest, Zoe. Yeah. He lives under a tree, under a giant mushroom. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's like the Shire. <laughs> That's the dream, isn't it? To live under a giant mushroom. <laughs> um, similarly, last night... Um, I was hanging out in my backyard and a raccoon oh. tried to approach me. Uh oh. And I was like, hey, this is pretty cute. And then as it got closer, it was like kind of, you know, scratching at itself, walking towards oh, me. And yeah. I was like, maybe we're not friends. No. <laughs> I ran inside. I was like, holy shit. My, I have to send yeah. you this video I took of it. It's, oh, please. It's, it's not looking so great. Uh, oh, no. I felt a little bad for him. Is it like one of the rodents of unusual size? Did, was it making any weird noises or anything? No, it actually wasn't. It it actually mm. seemed really cat-like and sweet. Mm. But he seemed to be... Um, up to something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't trust that. He's Raccoon definitely... walks up to you in Philly? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's about to pull something on you. Yeah. I mean, that or, um, you know, we were connecting. We were vibing. Maybe. You know? Or the next thing you were going to hear was, run your pockets, Zoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't trust a raccoon in the middle of Philly if it was walking up to you. That doesn't sound right. I have more trust for a raccoon than a possum, though. We'll say that. <laughs> yes. What about a person? Um, you know what? <laughs> I would say a person would be in between a possum and a raccoon. <laughs> between them. <laughs> I, think I, I trust a person a little more than a possum. Yeah. A little less than a raccoon. Possums okay. have those tiny, sharp teeth. So, yeah. They kind of look like they're, yeah, they kind of look, happen. yeah, they're kind of eel like in a way. They are weird. Yes, totally. It's true. Also, hmm. their tails are, are very, um, bald. <laughs> if there is an animal. <laughs> That could walk up to you that you would just implicitly trust the most. Who would it be? Um, hmm. 
I would have to say a turtle. Uh Oh my God. That's perfect. Yeah. I think a turtle would be the most trustworthy. Although one time we did stay on tour or stay at someone's house on tour and my drummer got peed on by this person's turtle. Oh, like a house. But, I mean, turtle? that's about the worst. Yeah, that's about the worst that could happen, though, right? Is that they pee on you? Uh, I think a snapping turtle could take some fingers off and that stuff. That's true. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I was just warned of that by a by a neighbor. It is. He true. was telling me this thing. He's like, "Yeah, we got some turtles." I'm like, "Oh, great turtles!" He's like, "Don't let your kids around it. He'll, he'll probably eat their fingers." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh, okay. they live so long too. Tortoises. They live oh, forever." Yeah. I've been asked before if if I was to be able to choose what I'd like to be in the next life. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it would be a sea turtle. Aww. It just yeah. seems like such a a pleasant, pleasant life. You know, like they live forever. They kind of just hang back in the cut. They don't really have too many natural predators. They're just chilling. They're like the straight like stoners of the sea, you know? <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess you got to stop using plastic straws in this life. Yeah. To get the good karma for the sea turtle life, oh, you know? Oh, shit. Yeah. I never thought that I have to pay into this. Yeah. I, th- I feel like that might be the vibe. Okay. I'll be more in- environmentally <laughs> active. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, random turn here, okay? Yeah. Because I thought this might be fun. If you... <laughs> Say who's your is there, is there a, a favorite director you have? Um, I would say it's my friend Josh Cole. Okay, so say Josh. <laughs> oh, he he works on your videos, right? He does. Yeah. Okay. So say Josh gives you a call tomorrow. He's like, "Listen, Zoe, I know it's random, but an angel investor just gave me like three million dollars to make a movie." Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want to make a movie about one night of your teenage life. Okay. What night would you choose? And who would you cast to play yourself? Oh, wow. First off, I can't really think of any celebrities that I look like. Um, <laughs> I did. I did have a lot of people tell me I looked like Chloe Grace Moretz when I was in high school. Okay. Um, so maybe I would cast her and hmm, let's see what night would I pick? Here's the thing is um, I was actually talking to one of my friends about this the other day and we were like watching skins in high school made us think that our high school lives were normal and they were not. Um, hmm. <laughs> let's see. there's a lot to choose from there was a night okay this story is kind of dark but there was a night where I did acid with my sister and Uh two of our friends and um we had a really really fun time and we were like trading sweaters around and we thought we were like trading emotions and it was one of the most fun <laughs> nights. And then the next day I smoked K2. Do you guys know oh, anything geez. about this stuff? Are you guys too old for this? Is it ketamine? I, it's like one of those spice? things where I was, you know about it. Like, what the fuck are you kids doing? Yeah. Like that's what I remember it as, but I never did it. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, so what it's was good that, that like? you didn't because that was um, bad. Wasn't it was it? fully like pretty bad. The biggest nightmare ever. Yes, it was such a nightmare. Oh no. Um, oh. It was pretty bad, but what I would happened? say that like it might be interesting enough to make a movie out of because I was very, um, I was like tripping balls, and everything looked like <laughs> yeah. Rugrats. Like my friend was sitting across from me and I was just like looking at her and I was like, oh my God, she looks just like Tommy Pickles right now. I'm going to throw up. And um, (laughs) fucked up thing that happened was one of my friends um, started actually like getting sick and we had to like go to the hospital. And um, I remember being in the back of the ambulance and like sitting in the ambulance and the guys were like, wow, this girl seems like she would be really cool if she wasn't so fucked up right now about me. And I felt like I was in (laughs) an Above the Influence commercial because I was like, they don't know I can hear them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. That's... Um, And apparently there was another kid who was in the hospital that night for smoking K2. It was very much like trendy in my neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. What year I mean, was that, that that it was at its peak there? There's a lot more to the story, but not worth getting into. Kind of gross. I think it's worth getting into. I would say it was to. probably 2011. 2011. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, it was really, it was actually really scary. Like um, when like the um, paramedics came in because they had this like tube that they were like oh, right. hooking my friend up to to throw up into. Yeah. But yeah. I was like tripping balls. So it just looked like there were like weird like tentacles and shit like flowing into my living room. Oh. <laughs> and my yeah. mom was like on a date or something like that. And I, my house was always like the party house when I was growing up. And she was <laughs> not very happy when she <laughs> arrived home. <laughs> But yeah, oh, we were man. planning on actually having a party that night. And what had happened was we smoked this K2 before our friends came over to have a party with us. And then they like drove by our house while we were like getting into an ambulance. <laughs> so, oh, that- yeah. There's my dark high school So story. they didn't knock on the door. <laughs> wah, yeah. wah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. I don't know. I, I, I heard like... Uh, so did you have kind of like um, rock and roll parents? Because, uh, you know, I read like your your father got you into Liz Fair and, you know, was kind of like music was around a lot. Like, what was the vibe uh, with like, you know, your house and music? Was it always kind of a part of your background? Yeah, it really was. Um, my mom... Grew up going to a lot of shows. Um, my mom was a painter when I was growing up. Um, and so she was very much involved in the art scene. And my dad, um, he was just a big, like, indie radio guy. <laughs> so I got into okay. a lot of, like, my, like, earlier, like, emo and indie stuff through my dad. Um, and, yeah, kind of same with my mom, but more on, like the indie side like um i remember my mom showing me like the breeders and cat power and stuff like that and oh cool uh, my dad showing me like bright eyes and death cat <laughs> so uh, but oh, um wow. yeah my parents were divorced when i was young so um kind of like 
raised from two separate parents who were like into the music scene, but weren't actually musicians. Right. Right. And wh- when did you, um, and, um, Oh, I just, I was just giggling. Um, because that's what I was about to say. Oh, is, um, yeah. My mom, um, she had a lot of friends who played music and, um, she, no, no, you're good. <laughs> she actually, um, got my sister a guitar when she was like, Nine or 10 years old, which would have made me like seven or eight years old. And I had always wanted to be a rock star, but I never played an instrument. Like I just would like run around (laughs) our house singing all the time. So it was like kind of always a thing that I wanted to do since I was very, very little. Um, Cool. But by the time my sister got a guitar, I was asking about playing guitar too. And my mom was like, you can't play guitar. You have to play bass because your sister's playing guitar. And I want you guys to be able to start a band together if you play an instrument. <laughs> right. But I think she was so. really just probably trying to make sure that like we didn't get jealous of each other. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back on it. Kinda, but it is still kind of a cool idea. Smart. But my mom was always like um, very supportive in that way. You can't subjugate yeah. one child to bass though. Like, that's not cool. Then you're, you're going to wind up with a pecking order issue regardless. <laughs> she you know? did it. <laughs> yeah. Like, she uh, did it. You know, the guitar player is going to find a way to talk shit. <laughs> she actually convinced me really easily, though. Um, she just, like, I remember um, her just telling me, like, oh, it's so cool when, like, a tall girl plays bass. Like, you should play bass. You would look so cool playing bass. <laughs> <laughs> she really had me like convinced. And then I remember um, maybe it was like fifth or sixth grade. My mom took me to see Snow Patrol and Silver Sun uh-huh. Pickups opened up that show. Oh, cool. And they had a female bass player. And I, yeah. they still do, I guess. I mean, I haven't seen, I mm-hmm. haven't heard any of their new stuff or anything or kept up with them much. But that was like one of the first times I was like, oh my God, like I actually can do this. Like, Girls do play bass in bands. And I actually thought I was so much cooler than everyone who played guitar because I was like different. Hmm. <laughs> so she kind of made it happen for me. <laughs> she gave awesome. me a little bit of an ego when I needed it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We all, you got to have it just to have that confidence just to yeah. do it. Right. Um, and you're really into Liz Fair, right? Like she is a big. Yeah, of course. I was a bit of a nerd growing up. So it was needed. Yeah. Like uh, for. Let's say let's say someone's on here who who doesn't know much about Liz Fair. Like like where should they start? Um where should they start? Oh my goodness. I don't See, I started listening to Liz Fair. I guess I'll tell my story because this is how I got into her. So maybe I mean, I could be totally wrong because I'm pretty sure that it got a zero on Pitchfork, her self-titled record. Oh god. Like straight up a 0.0. Brutal. Um, but I love it. And I know so many people who also love it. Um, and a lot of her hits are there. Like, Why Can't I is on that okay. record. Um, Red Light Fever is on that record. Um, Extraordinary is on that record. Three of her biggest hits are on there. But for some reason, it's like her most hated record. Huh. However, when I was like maybe eight years old, my dad got me 
an iPod shuffle. And I went to his house one weekend and he put some music on my iPod shuffle, but all he put on it was the Liz Fair self-titled record, <laughs> which is um, really funny looking back on because there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of crazy lyrics on that record that oh, okay. an eight-year-old would not understand. Like there's, right. um, yeah, there's some stuff on there like HWC. I was like, I don't know what she's talking about, but this totally rocks. Huh. Um, it's about cum. Oh, okay. And, nice. um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, um, I feel like her song Little Digger was one of the first songs that I like remember actually crying to, like oh, actually wow. understanding and crying to. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it was a very influential record for me as a kid. And I would say to start there, but I know some people will say differently. <laughs> I can't believe Pitchfork gave a zero. Yikes. Dude, I'm pretty positive it was a zero. So fucked up. It's just so dismissive, you know? Like, come on. Right? What? A, like, come on. Such jerks. Yeah. It's a good it. record, too. There's some major hits on there. Everyone knows why Can't I is, like, one of the best radio hits of the early 2000s. Listen, I can tell you, from my own anecdotal experience, a record I put out that is certainly not the best record I ever made and definitely one that the fewest people heard got the highest rating on Pitchfork of any record I've yeah, ever made. Fuck Pitchfork. So really? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like yeah, the, I, no, I mean, it doesn't matter because it's it's just, you know, a couple people, you know? <laughs> like The thing I always think um, is, the one thing I've learned is that the person writing reviews for anything, mm-hmm. for Pitchfork, for a magazine, they're usually like the people, they don't want to be writing reviews. Nobody does. They're people who yeah, want to be sure. writing articles. They want to be writing books. You know, they want to yeah, actually they be do like, write-ups. yeah, they don't want to like be like, here's 35 records. Come up with, you know, <laughs> 46 adjectives for each of them. Like it kind of sucks. So I think they just get yeah. bored and weird and they forget get the kind of power. They forget the power they have in a way, you know, it's like you forget you're actually like wielding a little bit of power over somebody else's creation but you just do it so much and you get so bored that I think people like just kind of like forget, you know? Yeah. You don't think about it. Yeah. I've actually never gotten a pitchfork rating and that's okay so far. (laughs) I don't need one yet. I'm scared. Even though you've never gotten a rating, they're still going to talk shit that you went pop. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know what? This is definitely the best record that I've written. So I'm not taking any shit on it, you know, like, that's no, great. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they definitely do have, um, you know, um, a bit of a thing for the emo community. So I could be betraying them. Yeah, <laughs> but- well, speaking of pop, I mean, you're you're kind of in the, you know, you're in the hook business, you know, like uh, every song in this record has like, seems to have a really great chorus and a great hook. And it's obviously... Um, you know, a focal point of it. And, you know, I was wondering at this point, like, what's your, what's your process of creating hooks? And for you, um, are you melodies first? Are you words first? And when do those two things kind of like meet? Um, 
I, you know, it kind of depends on the song, whether it's melodies or words first. Um, Lately, actually, especially on this record, um, it was a lot of instrumentals first, a lot of like writing beats and writing, you know, like chord progressions first and um, kind of just like whittling songs down, if that makes sense, like writing a song with way too many lyrics and then picking all of the best parts and, Mm. you know, narrowing it down from there. Um, That was a lot of my process. And yeah, I mean, did you ask something else? (laughs) Well, I I mean, I was first, it was about like the hooks and like, you know, kind of what your process of trying to, to find a hook and when you know you have one that you really like. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that was actually, um, so as I said earlier, like, I really like just doodling around on GarageBand and making, like, fun little, like, video game sounding, like, twinkly synthy songs. And a lot of them actually started out there. A lot of the melodies were um, just, like, synth lines that I messed around with for like months. <laughs> oh, so they, they actually started from the, the synth line first and then you put your vocal melody kind of over that. Yeah, for sure. Actually a That's ton cool. of the a ton of the um vocal melodies were written that way, were written as synth lines. Um because I have this like secret anxiety about um people that I live with or my neighbors like getting annoyed with me about singing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'll just like sit there, I'll like come up with a vocal melody and then I'll like write it all out on keys okay. in GarageBand or in Logic or um, I was using Reason a lot when I was working on this record as mm. well. Um, but yeah, I'll just like sit there and kind of nudge things around until they feel like they're in the right spot, if that makes sure. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's kind of a weird process, but... I mean, works for yeah. you. I, I understand about, I know like I've had a couple of singers, even the guy, I'm, you know, Jared, who I sing with now is like, I think the people in my apartment think I'm crazy because I was recording vocals all day and they can't hear the music behind it. They just hear me screaming in my bathroom, right. you know? So I understand it would make you self-conscious. Yeah, exactly. Um. So- oh, totally. And I've lived like, um, I've lived in the city for most of my life. So I've always been in like these, um, these like row home situations <laughs> where I'm like, I don't want to be disrupting my neighbors who are like right at the other side of the wall or right. like, um, a lot of the time I really like to just like work in the middle of the night. Um, I feel like that's when songs come out of me the yeah. best. And, um, yeah, I definitely would never want to like wake someone up to them having to listen to my emo ass pop songs <laughs> in my room. It's nice to see. We're creating more ghost stories here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I know you worked with Andy Park uh, on this new record. And when, um, you know, when you were, co- I, I know I read that he added like a lot of instrumentation and, um, and a lot of different stuff. Were you figuring that out prior to, to recording? Were you in a lot of like pre-production together or it was kind of when you got into the studio, it was like, oh, these are the changes I think would be cool or things I'm going to add. It was a little bit of a combination. We did some pre-production. We actually did pre-pro for a lot of the songs, but a lot of them were like, we did a lot of the um, session in 
logic and a lot of the stuff we were able to just bring over from my demo sessions because I do a lot of MIDI stuff myself. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of pre-pro when it came to like me sending demos to Andy and him kind of like taking them apart and fixing them up. <laughs> so yeah, we had some stuff to work with um, when we came into the studio, but a lot of it actually was partially written in the studio as well. So Nice. And how are you with like receiving that stuff? Are you... Are you pretty open to it or do you have to build some trust with people to be able to kind of get into your songs like that? I actually used to be like really, I had my guard up pretty high before. Like I would not let other people touch my songs for a long time. And I think that that was kind of my downfall for a little bit was that I wasn't um, collaborating and stuff because... I've always wanted to make music that sounds like this, but I've always known emo music. You know what Mm, I mean? mm -hmm. Um, And so it really gave me the opportunity to try something new and um, having Andy, you know, get into the songs. He was able to like give them the sound that I have been looking for for a long time. That's awesome. So. So yeah, I'm really glad I trusted him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I love that guy. He's great. I know you had lots of people on the record, including friend of the program, Bartiz Strange. Um, we love him. Yeah, how, like how did you go about putting putting that together? Like, um, you know, wh- like where did you get the ideas of who to bring in? And and when you did, did you have ideas for them, or or you let them go in cold and bring in their own stuff? Um, honestly, a lot of it was really just going in cold and bringing in their old stuff or own stuff, my bad. But, um, yeah, so we had a lot of collaborations on this record because, you know, as, um, I'm a solo artist, I have a band here now, but I've always just kind of had like touring lineups, learn the parts from my records, if that Mm. makes sense. And, um, so yeah, for this record, Andy set up a whole live band for me made up of some pretty amazing people oh cool and um yeah so i had sean lane play drums from pedro the lion um and jessica dobson from deep sea diver played bass and guitar my friend sebastian who plays in a band called apples with moya and cumulus played guitar as well um my friend Derek Ted did a bunch of stuff. Al from Great Grandpa. Lots of great collabs. And a lot of them really were just based off of the fact that I had some friends in Seattle. And I hadn't spent a lot of time in Seattle. And I just kind of went out to record there and popped around to like some shows while I was out there. And kind of like built some collaborations out of that. Um, just out of hanging out with people and being like, Hey, I'm here. Do you want to come record on my record? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Bartiz and, um, Connor from Foxing, I added them to the record probably, I don't know, over the summer, over last summer. Um, and I actually just kind of, hit them up and was just like, Hey, do you want to sing on this? That's all I really did. I was just like, um, interested in getting some harmonies from both of them. Yeah. And just kind of told them to do whatever they wanted with it. And, um, threw them a couple ideas, but 
for the most part, like they really figured it out on their own. And it was nice because they kind of did a similar thing for the songs, you know, they gave them a similar energy. Um, but yeah, the first time I listened to both of them, I cried. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. When, um, especially when I listened to Ortiz on Twin Flame for the first time, I just like bawled my eyes out because it was a song that I've been working on for so long. Um, I think I wrote it like right before we went on the dashboard tour and released Sunset Blush, which would have been like, oh my God, is is it bad that I forget? Was it 2018? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was 2018. Um, so yeah, that song was sitting in the vault for a long time. And when Barty sang on it, it like felt like it was the right song for the first time. Ah, that's awesome. He's a very, uh, he's a king. (laughs) Oh, he's a very, very special artist. I assume. Yeah. We're going to be, we're going to be hearing his name for a long time for sure. And a very chill guy, you know, he's one of those people. I have this problem. I've told Brad before. Sometimes I get off interviews and I think I like made a new friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, really, I just interviewed this person. Like, they probably <laughs> don't want to keep this going. You know, <laughs> like he's one of those people. I'm like, yo, can I keep hitting you up a little? Because I just, I just think you're kind of great. You know? <laughs> oh my god, he's totally one of those kinds of people. He yeah. is such like, I don't know. He's something special, isn't he? Yeah, he's got a light around. He just him blows sure. me away. Yeah, he's got yeah a light he absolutely him. does. Yeah. He absolutely does. Well, speaking of artists who have a light around them, I wanted to finish up here with something fun. Since you're mm-hmm. a sort of native Philadelphian from the suburb, yeah. from the creepy ghost-ridden suburbs, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to try to put together a Philadelphia music Mount Rushmore. Oh my goodness! Okay, so yes. <laughs> I know this is hard because there's more than I thought that are actually from Philly yeah. or claim to be from Philly. So at first the Mount Rushmore, I wanted to be four, you know, um, I think for this exercise, we can include like bands as one, you know, just to make of it course. easy. Like you don't need a separate face for like hall and oats, you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, so is there anyone that like has to be on there for you? Like, like who represents Philly the most to you? Oh my goodness. I have a, a list of names. If you want me to go through them. You know, it's funny because I'm not even a crazy Kurt Vile fan, but the first ah, thing I thought of was like sure. Kurt Vile would be... That's a good one. ...on Mount Rushmore, for sure. Um, the Roots. Uh-huh. Definitely important. Um, <laughs> who else? Dead Milkmen. Yes, Ooh, good. Nice. Yeah. Good. I mean, oh, I, should I fill one more? I might as well go all the way. Can we yeah. just throw? Can we just throw Soupy in there? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dan Campbell. So we got the Mount Rushmore. We need the DIY representation. You know? Your Philly Mount Rushmore <laughs> is Kurt Vile, <laughs> The Roots, Dead Milkmen, and Soupy, which I think is rad. We did skip Patty Labelle, Hall yes, and Oates. Yes, we did. Patty Labelle is important. Will well, you Smith, mentioned Hall and Oates. Yes. Boys to Men, <laughs> Chubby Checker, True. Jill Scott, mm. uh, of course. Joan Jett, mm-hmm. Erica Badu, uh, personal God. favorite, Kid Dynamite, Ink and Dagger, some old hardcore bands. Of course. Cinderella. 
One for you, Brad. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Jim Croce, <laughs> Dr. Dog, Disco Biscuits, and my personal favorite, Teddy Pendergrass, Philadelphia's oh own, with the most sexually healing songs. He would have to be on mine. But I like this. That's a good Mount Rushmore. It is. You did you forget Meek Mill? Oh, I did. Oh, Meek He's, Mill has oh. to be on there. How could we forget? Yo, Meek Mill would just be every face. Well, who Mount are you Rushmore. who are you kicking out? It's it's the everyone, classic everyone. exercise. Everyone. <laughs> who gets kicked it's out? It's all Meek Mill. Soupy? <laughs> Sorry, Soupy. <laughs> Sorry, you're out, Soupy, for Meek Mill. Sorry, Soupy. No, we love you, Soupy. <laughs> <laughs> At least we didn't get to Diplo, you know? Oh, yeah, we didn't have to go that far. Yikes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was fun. I like you. That was a good Mount Rushmore, and I actually didn't have Kurt Vile on my list. I'm disappointed. I did just see really? him in a funny skit of Portlandia, too, that I forgot he was in. Oh, really? oh so classic. Yeah, he, he's like living at their house. Oh, my God, that skit kills me because never mind. Never mind. Stupid. I realized the other day, I was trying to explain an SNL skit to someone. I'm like, how can I be 40 years old and still be doing that? I knew it didn't work like 31 years ago to try to explain to someone something that happened on TV. And I must just try to do it again. But it's getting okay. old, Benny. You saved yourself. I know. I know. All right. Well, back to me and Brad talking about our rotator cuffs. Um, <laughs> but Zoe, that was fun. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to talk to you guys. Down, now, 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 down, now, 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 now. That was fun, that's man. That's my Jello. That's my Jello Biafra version of the guitars. Oh, Jello. Oh, Jello. Silly guy. Man, I love that Philly music Mount Rushmore. Who would have to be on it for you that got left off? For me? Yeah. Personally? Yeah. I don't know that I know enough Philly artists. Um, Hall and Oates? You a Hall and Oates guy? No. I mean, definitely. Chubby Checker? Roots for sure. Sure. Uh, Easy. I like the Kurt Joe Jett. I didn't. I don't think I knew that Dead Milkmen were a Philly band for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Um, Joan Jett would be number one for me, though, I think. Joan Jett and um, uh, who's the R&B guy? Uh, Pendergrass? Yeah. <laughs> Teddy Pendergrass. So you would go the Roots, Joan Pendergrass. Jett first. Joan Jett, Roots, Joan Jett. Pendergrass, and maybe Dead, Dead Milkman. Milkman. Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay, that's good. That's good. I know that there's somebody that I'm completely forgetting, though, that I probably love immensely. But. I mean, I you know, I think I got the biggest names on this list. Okay, yeah. Like the Roots, Patty LaBelle, Hall and Oates, Will Smith, and Boys to Men <laughs> being left out of Mount Rushmore is a little rough. Uh, I mean, I think Motown Philly might be like the most iconic Philadelphia song, right? I think Will, Will can he's had enough success elsewhere that he can probably get by. That's a good point. Yeah. I feel like Sylvester Stallone should just be on by default, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I personally would be remiss to not put Kid Dynamite on this list. Yeah. I do love Erica Badu as well. I'm a pretty big Ooh. Erica Badu fan. You yeah. know me, I got to have Teddy Pendergrass on there. That's my guy, you know? 
Yes, I know. <laughs> I mean, we can tell you who's made the most people have a, a lush, sweaty, silky, intimate evening in Philadelphia. And it's not fucking the disco biscuits, okay? <laughs> it's Teddy Pendergrass. Absolutely. Let's get real. Absolutely. But anyway, Zoe's got, uh, she's got some socials, right? She, as she says in the podcast, she couldn't get Kississippi, but she got <laughs> Kississippi PHL, and that's Instagram and Twitter. Follow her there. Definitely check out this new record and her previous stuff if you haven't listened to it. Um, uh, for us, you can give us a review on iTunes, a la Teddy Pendergrass. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, you can, if you really want to get involved, you can become a patron at mm-hmm. patreon.com slash going off track. And, um, you know, then you're really part of the gang. You get some special bonus material. Get to chat with us every Thursday on our fr- Friday, I mean, our Thursday fireside chat. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. What else is going on, Benny? Anything? No, it's June 1st. I think by early July, I'll be willing to do these Discord chats with no shirt on. You know, that's my goal. You're getting ready to record. I am. Okay. No, no shows though. No shows, but it is incredibly, as we've discussed on this podcast before, I uh, don't have enough self-respect or passion for my own condition to keep myself in like living condition for myself. So uh, having a record to do has actually been very motivating right. for me to not be as uh, disgusting <laughs> about what I'm putting into my body and how I'm handling myself. So it's almost like uh, I get into like training mode and it's like the only way I know how to keep myself healthy is if I have like a, a musical milestone to get to, you know? Right. So basically I should never retire because... I'm going to wind up like the the mom from Gilbert Grape if uh if I stop having a job. Got to keep moving. Got to keep moving, baby. <laughs> but yeah, that's what's going on and uh I think everyone should listen to Zoe's music. Go see Mississippi the first chance you get. And uh, you know, everybody love everybody out there. That's all you can say. Love everybody. Mhm.